Happy day, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast is titled Conservation. The new normal is to take the road less traveled. If you're tuning in for the first time or for the first time in a while, the focus of my podcast is information that I share on my website blog. So as a reminder, how do you find my blog? From your favorite web browser, navigate to my website, www.copperrangellc.com and click blog. It's on the left side of the front page, or you may need to click a drop-down menu if you access my site on a mobile device. My blog posts have the great photos behind the stories, so definitely you want to make a stop to my webpage so you can check those out. Also on my website, copperrangellc.com, you can also view all my images, you can learn about me, and keep up with my art show schedule. At my art shows, you'll find my work for purchase. It's a great way to shop my photography in person, and you can meet me. You can also shop safely and easily online, and this is maybe a preferred option these days. Just click on the buy icon on any photo. It's really simple, and you'll be on your way to an easy and safe shopping experience, and you can join the ranks of my collectors. Today's podcast is titled Conservation. The new normal is to take the road less traveled. The blog post on my website is packed with information and links to a lot of the resources. In today's podcast, I'm only going to cover the highlights from the blog post, but you definitely want to visit the online resource to get all the sources and information and lots, a lot more interesting reading behind this particular topic. And I have a special guest joining me in today's podcast Terry Spar. Terry is founder of the nonprofit organization Earth Overshoot and the executive producer of the documentary Eight Billion Angels. You can learn more about Terry, Earth Overshoot, and the documentary at www.earthovershoot.org. So let's get to it. Symbolically, someone who takes the road less traveled has come to mean a person who acts independently, is free from conformity, makes their own choices, and maybe leaves a new trail that could become the road more often traveled. Many listeners are probably familiar with the celebrated poem by Robert Frost titled The Road Not Taken, where this famous line, the road less traveled, comes from. Here's the thing, the road less traveled might not be an easy road. It might be full of potholes, bumps, and lots of uncomfortable, stressful things. As a result, people often choose the easiest paths through life because it's simply less work, hassle, and it seems like it would free us up from a lot of the uncomfortable stuff of life. Many choose to be a part of the group and adhere to the social norms and expectations of families, friends, trending culture, political affiliation, religion, work environment, in other words, the group, and avoid the perceived or real problems that can come along with taking the road less travel. So a lot of us seek to conform with the groups that we identify with. Social norms or what's considered normal, are the written or unwritten rules that describe what a certain reference group considers to be typical or desirable behavior 
in certain contexts. So norms, social norms are important and they have a lot of value. We need them. They keep societies functioning by providing rules, laws, and expectations, spoken and unspoken. Even in modern day cultures like our own, those who don't follow expected norms can suffer disapproval or be rejected by the group. So when people know what's expected of them, they, act, they usually tend to comply. Here's another thing. Some norms, again, the things that our groups think are cool and a good idea are just the opposite. Here's some examples. If you're in the baby boomer generation, you know that cigarette smoking used to be a social norm. Lighting up a cigarette many decades ago would have been expected after dinner at a bar in a social gathering. Now it's almost unthinkable and actually it's downright illegal in a lot of places, in most places. Child marriage. Any formal marriage or informal union where one or both of the parties are under age 18 is regrettably a social norm in some parts of the world. More often than not, it's the female that's under age 18 with the male partner being well over age 18. And let's get real here. Slavery, racial discrimination, think about the laws that required racial segregation decades ago, and sexual discrimination, things like prohibiting women from voting and working in certain jobs. They used to be social norms in the United States. They were considered the right thing to do. People complied, people conformed. So what does that bring us to? It brings us to the fact that obviously not all norms are good, fair, or humane. In fact, we now know that some of our past accepted and expected beliefs and practices were basically inhumane. So we should ask ourselves, what happened to restrain and change norms, particularly those kind of norms? You know, the answer is one person one person, somewhere, somehow, took the road less traveled and created the space to change the norm through work and conviction, bravery, beliefs and norms that were mistaken or no longer serve us well can and have been remedied. So let's shift gears a bit and figure out why am I talking about all this norm stuff? Globally, around the world, many cultures and countries have embraced norms for environmental conservation and sustainability. Here's how my former, former employer, the United States Environmental Protection Agency, defines sustainability. I'm reading in quotes. Everything we need for our survival and well-being depends either directly or indirectly on our natural environment. To pursue sustainability is to create and maintain the conditions under which humans and nature can exist in productive harmony to support present and future generations, end of quote. Again, please go on the website blog to get the resource for this. So sustainable economies and lifestyles help us manage the impact of global climate change. That's why we are concerned about sustainability. Recycling 
for example, is a social behavior that many of us engage in and promote to support sustainability. It's actually a social norm nowadays. Recycling is actually a social norm. It's become a social norm. And there are very few places, particularly commercial establishments, where you won't find the big blue or green recycling trash bins. But you know, it was not always that way. And actually, it still isn't that way in a lot of places. But it's more common than not. It's more the norm than not to recycle. Other examples of sustainable behaviors include living car-free, walking or biking more, eating plant-based diets, using green energy, whether that's wind or solar, consuming less stuff, buying less stuff, and conserving water, among others. So all these things are really good practices, the things I just mentioned, the sustainability practices, really good practices, and many have been adapted to social norms. But we now know there's significantly more to effective resource sustainability, much more. And there are a few groups bold enough, because it does take boldness, to recognize what more is needed to talk about it candidly and to lead us to the road less traveled, because that's what it is. For climate change and sustainability, the road less traveled that we must now take is our unsustainable global population growth. An organization confronting this difficult, taboo topic is Earth Overshoot, www.earthovershoot.org. I'm going to quote now some things from Earth Overshoot's website. Earth Overshoot builds upon the key messages in 8 Billion Angels, which is a documentary feature, feature film produced by Executive Director Terry Sparr, about unsustainable population growth as a primary driver of our world's environmental emergencies. End of quote. By the way, Terry Sparr is a father of three, talking about overpopulation. The film and Earth Overshoots other activities and work are helping to actually normalize the discussion about the impact of unsustainable population growth on the environment. This is not an anti-people position, so please continue to listen. Here's Earth's Overshoot's answer to just one question that I think a lot of us have. And again, I encourage you to visit their website for more. Um, and again, those resources are in my website blog. So here's the question. Is overpopulation really a problem? Here's Earth's Overshoot's answer based upon the research they've done. Based on current world affluence or wealth times the number of people on the earth, measurements indicate humans as a species are far exceeding Earth's ability to provide us the necessary resources without adverse effects to all living creatures. In fact, we would need to reduce global wealth and economic activity by half if we are going to live sustainably and allow for the abundance and diversity of life to flourish. Getting people to reduce their wealth voluntarily to a sustainable level is not happening. In fact, World Bank data cites a 4% average annual growth of the world economy since 1961. 
So we must be honest and address this reality and the environmental benefits that come from growing smaller gracefully. End of quote. So did you know that the four actions that most substantially decrease an individual's carbon footprint, which when I say carbon footprint, in simplest terms, it's another way of saying your individual contribution to harmful air pollution, my individual contribution, each of our individual contributions to harmful air pollution. So the four actions that most substantially decrease that are eating a plant-based diet, avoiding air travel, yeah, that's hard to do. Living card-free, that's hard to do. And having smaller families. Importantly, having one less child is the most effective means of decreasing your contribution to harmful air pollution. Terry Sparr, founder and executive director of Earth Overshoot, left the corporate world to research, write, and produce the documentary Eight Billion Angels. Next, he discusses what we need to consider if we want a healthier and more sustainable world. We should be asking ourselves every day, you know, do we want a world of more people having less opportunity for good health, peace, prosperity, and a flourishing environment? Or do we want a world with fewer people, but more of each? You know, the most powerful strategy to restore nature and reverse climate change is having a smaller family. Having one less child is 264 times more powerful in fixing the climate than recycling all my trash over my lifetime. It's 72 times more powerful than my going vegan and it's 24 times greater than my never driving in a car. But focusing on overpopulation and smaller families is not the only thing to our organization, Earth Overshoot, nor is it to the environment or to plant, animal, and human well-being. However, you know, it is a crucial component to the impact that we as humans are having on environmental degradation public health, um, species extinction, and climate change. Uh, we cannot ignore our numbers if we are ever truly going to understand and address the obstacles that stand between us, where we stand today, and, and a future that is marked by human health, economic prosperity, and a thriving natural world. Um, we, you know, we need to reject the old beliefs of the past that the, you know, it's either A or B, it's one way or the other way, and, and begin to embrace the and. You know, the challenge that we as a global society, you know, face is overconsumption and overpopulation. And, you know, the solutions that we must undertake are uh, things like adopting alternative energies and promoting small families. You know, they're uh, conserving lands and land and planting trees uh, and, um, you know, educating girls. Uh, it's enforcing fish catch limits uh, and advocating for women's empowerment. Uh, and it's practicing no-till organic farming and providing universal access to modern-day contraception. You know, focusing on two things at once is not impossible. It's... Uh, it's like walking and chewing gum, all very doable and critical if we want to turn the tide to a healthier, more sustainable world. So let's pause and settle into this kind of truth. The truth 
of overpopulation and unsustainable population growth. This might make a lot of us really uncomfortable. I can reassure you that this is the uncomfortable stuff we encounter on the road less traveled when we're heading into uncharted waters. For some, even just hearing the word overpopulation might feel like an attack on our moral, personal, religious values and choices about family and children. Those who love the children in their lives can't imagine life without children, those who want children someday, and those whose culture or religion expect or direct its members to have children might find this overpopulation topic unbearably difficult. I completely understand that sentiment. And here comes the but. But like so many things, there are two sides to this issue. Earth Overshoot and other organizations working to educate us on sustainable population growth have created a space and opened a door to discussing and working to fix a problem that's actually kept secret and routinely ignored by those with the power to bring about meaningful change concerning the health of our environment. A livable world for all people means less people. There are many myths about parenthood, just like there were about cigarette smoking, a social norm that no longer serves us. We can grow smaller gracefully without fear, shame, or blame. So in modern Western cultures like the United States, social norms about having children, you know, whether and when to have them have changed considerably in the last several decades. Widespread availability of contraception, the right to choose when and if a woman wants to become a parent, and educational and work opportunities that allow for independent living are all factors in new social norms about parenthood. Whether by choice or circumstances, many U.S. women live their lives as non-parents. In most societies and for most of human history, choosing not to have children was both difficult and undesirable, however. A study titled Parenthood, Childlessness, and Well-Being, a Life Course Perspective, studied parents and non-parents and their well-being and reported interesting facts about the growing new norm of non-parenting. I'll just uh, read a couple and check, and I encourage you again to check out my blog post for more in the complete citation for this study and where you can go to read it on your own. So here's some of the highlights of this study on parenthood, childlessness, and well-being. Uh, being a parent is not a one-size-fits-all experience. It's good for some people, for others it's a struggle, it's just not good, and the wrong choice at the wrong time. People without children live full, happy lives, and in cases, people without children are happier than those with children. How you view being a non-parent depends on where you are in your life. If you're an older, unmarried man without a social network of friends and activities, the research shows that being a non-parent may be difficult as well as if you're a young woman facing infertility. So being a non-parent, how you view that is sort of a function of where you are in life, one of the findings from this study. And just one more, and again, I want to emphasize, I'm paraphrasing these findings uh, as I read the study. Um, the strains of parenting are particularly hard for the unmarried and those with less financial resources. You know, something we don't hear a lot about. You know, we tend to kind of glorify parenthood 
Um, but the strains of parenting are particularly hard for the unmarried and those with less financial resources. American society, our society, our work environments, our family structures, our public policies do not fully support parents and children. So I was surprised but, um, but pleased to see that out on our great internet, there are quite a few support and social organizations for non-parents. For example, the web platform Meetup has an entire section on child-free groups. There are 150 child-free groups worldwide with over 38,000 members. These groups, um, what they do is they plan meetups for child-free couples and individuals who are looking to expand their social circles. I am not familiar with this web platform Meetup myself, but I just found it interesting that they have a resource for folks who are child-free and looking to have relationships with other folks who are also child-free. Another organization is called, and this is in quotes, one word, The Not Mom. It has a website, it has an annual summit, and it has a social media presence on Facebook and Twitter, uh, which is for and by women without children. The Not Mom organization and social media is really unparalleled. A section of their website displays the photos of well-known female actresses, media personalities, or other successful public figures that by choice or chance don't have children. It's called Women You Know Today with Stories Like Yours. The founder of The Not Mom is Karen Malone Wright, and she says about the organization, I'm quoting, we need more spaces where women who don't have kids, whether they define that as a choice or not, can talk about and celebrate their lives without fear of judgment or reprisal, end of quote. So as I come to a close in today's podcast, I want to restate the EPA definition of sustainability. Everything we need for our survival and well-being depends, either directly or indirectly, on our natural environment. To pursue sustainability is to create and maintain the conditions under which humans and nature can exist in productive harmony to support present and future generations. End of quote. A livable world for all people means less people. Having no children or one child, whether by choice or chance, is actually believed to be the most meaningful action to address climate change and impact environmental sustainability. It's a critical conservation step. Those that have or will make the choice for smaller families are often anonymous, hidden heroes in a parent-centric, often harshly judgmental world. This is the road less traveled. We can grow smaller gracefully without fear, shame, or blame. It's already happening. In the population game, folks, the team that recognizes that their well-being is connected to the well-being of their environment wins. Thank you for listening today and a very special thank you to Terry Spar, founder of Earth Overshoot and executive producer of the documentary Eight Billion Angels for his time and valuable perspective today. Thank you, Terry. Remember to visit my website www.copperrangellc.com where you'll find links to the issues and resources highlighted in today's podcast. You can view my wildlife and nature images, send me an email, keep up with my show schedule, and become a collector. Have a great day. Thank you.